Today's episode is brought to you by my new book, Millennial vs. Machine, how I got someone else to pay off my student loan debt and how you can do the same. For more information, visit CourtneyMKing.com slash podcast. Millennial versus Machine, how I got someone else to pay off my student loan debt and how you can do the same thing. Let's jump right into today's conversation. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Millennial versus Machine. I hope you guys are having a good week so far. Um, Seems like everything's gradually starting to open back up. Now that we're a little bit uh, further along into um, this whole coronavirus era that we're in, uh, today we are going to talk about how to find the right deal for you. And the reason why I wanted to do this is I'm actually working with a few of you guys right now in locating an investment property for you to buy. And, um, and I'm so grateful for the opportunities to help you guys to do that. And so I wanted to just walk you through the process, uh, my thought process in particular. Um, this is also something that I do in the book and I literally break it down. There's a little bit of, uh, there's a spreadsheet. Um, and there's also some additional resources that if you buy the book, there's some links, um, that allow you to download those free resources to help you as you, get someone else to pay off your student loan debt through real estate investing. So, so I guess where I'm going to start is I'm going to tell you about this sample property. Okay. And this is a home in Houston. Now to back it up a little bit, how did I locate this property? Well, a lot of the different deals that I find for my clients are either off-market deals, meaning they're not posted anywhere, but I have a connection with either the seller or another individual that is looking to unload the property, or maybe it's a property that is actively listed on the multiple listing service and um, it's a, a good potential investment property, okay? This sample property is a property in Houston And, uh, it is listed on the multiple listing service in this case. Okay. So this property is in an area where I am quite familiar with. Um, but also I know that there is a strong demand for homes in this area. It's actually on the Southwest side of Houston. And so from a rental perspective, I know that there's a really large pool of qualified tenants that would be interested in this property. Um, and then also from a resale perspective, um, where I know that if my client wanted to unload this property, they wanted to sell it, liquidate it, take the money and run that it would be easy for us to do that as well. So anytime that I look, I'm looking for a potential investment, I'm looking at it from both of those perspectives because, Um, I always want to have an exit strategy in mind, you know, and 
I do this personally, but also for my clients in the hopes that hopefully they'll contact me to liquidate it in the future. So I just want to set everybody up for success. And so those two factors are went into selecting this property to analyze. Okay. The next thing that I look at is I go through the pictures and like I said, guys, I've been doing this for 10 years. Um, and I know exactly what to look for in terms of, okay, this particular client doesn't want to spend a whole lot of money. That's kind of relative, I realize, but they don't want to spend a whole lot of money after they purchase it in order to get it rent ready. Okay. Or rehabbed is what a lot of people say. So I saw this property, the bones look really good. Um, from the pictures alone, again, this is preliminary. It doesn't look like it has any foundation issues, um, but it does look like it needs um, a pretty good facelift, a lot of cosmetic stuff, okay? As I dug deeper with this property, I realized that it's been owned by the same individual since it was constructed. Um, it's a three-bedroom, two-bath property uh, built in the 70s, and it is about 1,500 square feet, okay? Um, it's, I'm having to use my creativity here to just describe it to you guys, but uh, pretty open concept uh, given that it was built in the 70s. Um, kitchen is really outdated. I think it had like green countertops. Uh, appliances were relatively old. Um, the flooring in the kitchen and the bathrooms look to be okay for renting only. Okay. Um, let me pause real quick because I say clearly looked okay from a rental perspective because on any of these homes that you're considering purchasing, when I'm looking from a renovation perspective, rehab perspective, to say it another word, um, I'm looking at it not to just over improve it or make it into something that I would live in per se, but how much money would we need to spend to get it um, habitable and to get it to a place where we could get top dollar rent. Okay. So that's why I make the distinction that the flooring is good from a rental perspective. So let's talk numbers. Okay. Um, they have it listed for 150,000. In my opinion, it's way too high for that. Okay. The, 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 the list price of 150 K is just not realistic at all. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember how many days on market had been. I think it's less than 30 days. Okay. Um, so from a numbers perspective, I said, eh, let's see what the numbers would yield if we buy it for 140,000. Okay. So once I have all of those details, the very first thing that I do is I look at once repaired, what do the comparable properties that have sold for in the last six months, what do they show in terms of a sale price? Okay. So after all the repairs are completed, what would the potential sale price be for this property? And I pulled it and it could sell for 170,000 all day long. Okay. Good area, high demand. Um, 170 is pretty conservative. Um, so, so I'm looking at that perspective. Um, the second thing that I'm looking at, and by the way, guys, I have a spreadsheet, excuse me, 
I have a worksheet that you can download. If you go to CourtneyMKing.com slash deal, you can access this spread, excuse me, this worksheet. I don't know why I want to call it a spreadsheet. It's not a spreadsheet. You can access this worksheet for free um, to give you an idea of how you should be analyzing your deals or could be analyzing your deals because people look at things a little bit differently. So CourtneyMKing.com slash deal. And uh, the link is in the show notes, but you can look at this worksheet that I put together and how to analyze this particular property, okay? So I know that once it's repaired, it'd be worth about 170000 And I know that at this point, from a preliminary numbers perspective, I would be possibly considering a $140,000 sale price, okay? So... Assuming that I'm going to, or my client, because this actually was an analysis that I did for a client, is going to uh, put 20% down. 20% down payment on a $140,000 property is $28,000, okay? I'm estimating about a 4.5% interest rate. Um, And so with all of that and uh, escrowing, monthly taxes and insurance and an HOA due, even though sidebar HOA dues are never escrowed, but I factor that into a total monthly payment just for a sample perspective. Okay. So all in, I'm looking at about a mortgage payment monthly of $1,113 and 58 cents per month. Okay. So that's, that's my monthly expense on this property. Okay. Now, the other thing that I needed to factor in so I know my total initial costs is my closing costs. So I estimated about $3,000 closing cost. Now, again, this is just an example. We do have opportunities to negotiate closing costs with the sellers, meaning we could potentially ask them to offset part of that cost um, if we wanted to. That's just part of the negotiation process, okay? And, um, this is giving me a good idea. The next episode, I will talk about the home buying process. And I actually have a guide that I want to give to you guys. And this will further make the whole closing cost deal, um, make sense. So to recap, $140,000 purchase price, my total initial investment, the down payment plus the closing costs, um, are, what does that put us at? 28,000 plus three, that's $31,000. And, um, my total monthly expense is $1,113.58. So that's what we're looking at in terms of down payment plus closing costs. And then you have the total projected monthly expense, um, which is your mortgage payment, your taxes, and your insurance at $1,113.58 per month, okay? The next thing that I factor in is how much money is an investor going to have to spend in order to get the property rent ready, like I talked about. So in this case, I'm projecting about $15,000. Okay. That is not something that you can wrap into your mortgage payment. Okay. So this is money that the investor is going to have to have after the fact, after closing in order to get the property ready. 
The reason why I stress after closing is because you never put money in into improving a property until you after you close on the property. Um, it's kind of implied or assumed, but just at a basic level, I wanted to make sure that I highlighted that. $15,000 in this particular case is going to go towards new kitchen appliances, full repaint of the interior of the property, um, pressure washing the exterior. Exterior actually looks pretty good. The roof looks good too. Um, flooring throughout the property, uh, kitchen countertops and appliances, those kinds of things. Now, let me tell you this. This is just the preliminary analysis once we actually look at the property and or go under contract, we will get formal bids. Um, if I'm representing the buyer, we're going to get formal bids during the inspection period, the option period, so that we can verify that these estimates are in true accurate. Now, if our estimates are not accurate and let's say the repairs are going to be even more then we go back to the drawing board in terms of negotiating a lower sale price or, or concession for repairs or certain repairs. It kind of depends. We'll talk more about that in the next episode, okay? So if I add $15,000 to what I paid in down payment, which was the $28,000 plus the closing costs, we're at a total initial investment of $46,000. Now, let me pause because I know you're like, hold up. This is more than what my student loans cost me. I get it. Don't check out just yet, okay? Because um, this is for an investor of mine that says, I want to put 20% down. He has it, okay? So for you, for you guys that don't have it, then we are going to be looking for properties that are a little bit more ready to go that doesn't require you to um, rehab the property after the fact, okay? Which that is a possibility. Um, the house that I bought in August of 2019 needed zero rehab. It was ready to go. So I didn't have to spend any more money after closing to get it ready, okay? Um, the other thing that I was thinking too is, well, two things. Number one, the more distressed the property is, the better deal you have, okay? Yes, you're gonna have to spend more money after the fact, but if the numbers, if the analysis is done properly, then you have a greater likelihood of making more money the more distressed the property is, okay? The other thing is, is this does not take into consideration you guys that want to buy a property that you want to live in it temporarily. Okay. And then you want to rent it out later, because if that is something that you're going to want to do, then your total initial investment is going to be a lot lower because let's say you decide, you know what? I only want to put three and a half percent down. So let's say the property is still 140,000 and you are only putting three and a half percent down. You're only putting less than $5,000 down. Three and a half percent of 140,000 is $4,900. Okay. So that's going to significantly alter the numbers. Okay. But again, just follow me because this is an actual investor that said, Hey court, I've got 20% to put down. Let's see if the numbers work on this property. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I'm long-winded. <laughs> so here's where we are. 
Property costs one hundred forty thousand. Our total monthly payment is one thousand one hundred thirteen dollars and fifty eight cents. Okay, we're going to spend fifteen thousand dollars after closing to get it totally renovated and ready for the tenant. Okay, that means your total initial uh, investment is forty six thousand dollars. Okay, let's talk about leasing and management because now the property is ready to go or that's the assumption and you want to rent it out. I pulled comps on this particular property. This particular property on the low end would rent for $1,400 a month. On the high end, it would rent for $1,500 a month. It kind of depends on what we do for the make ready and the time of year when it is rented. Anytime that I'm running numbers for a client or an investor, I'm always looking very conservatively, okay? Um, And that's just wisdom, been doing it long enough. So these numbers that I'm giving you is based on a a $1,400 month monthly rent, okay? So the next thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, I'm gonna project what it's gonna cost to hire a property manager. So in this case, it's gonna cost $112 a month to pay a property manager to, to handle everything for you. And then I'm going to estimate a 10% monthly reserve for vacancy or maintenance. Okay. That's $140 a month. That is still money. That is your money. It's just set aside. Okay. Now do all the investors set aside that money? No. Um, some investors don't ever account for a, uh, vacancy or a reserve, um, And that, in my opinion, is not a good practice, um, but it does alter your return on investment. So we'll talk about that, okay? Okay, so let's bring it all together. Total income per month is $1,400. Total expense, which includes your mortgage, your property management, your maintenance and vacancy, is $1,365.58. That means your total monthly cash flow would be, in this particular case, $34.42. And I know you're thinking, what the heck? All of this work, all of this money expended for $34.42 a month, that's a whole $413.04 per year, okay? At that moment when I saw that, I said, this is not a good deal, which you guys are agreeing with me, I'm sure. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to share this with you just to give you the thought process, my thought process. Like I said, all investors, I mean, they look at these numbers, they look at these deals a little bit differently, but I wanted to show you this, okay? So if I take my total annual cash flow, which is the $413, and I divide that by my total initial investment, my total return on investment is under 1%. It's 0.89%, which is terrible. Nobody's going to make that investment, okay? Now, if you want to be like one of those investors that either pushes the numbers because you really, really like the house or want to be daring and don't account for a, uh, a reserve for your maintenance and vacancy, then if I add back that $140 um, a month and and don't, keep it as a reserve, then the total monthly cash flow would actually be $174.42 per year. That amounts to $2,093.04, which is 4.55% return on investment. Okay. 
These are very basic calculations because again, I want to make this as simple as possible. Now, if your student loan payment is a hundred bucks a month, you know, or even 150 bucks a month, you know, without factoring the reserve in, you would actually, um, have somebody that can pay off your student loans. Right. But really in the big scheme of things, because you had to spend so money, much money on the initial investment, it probably wouldn't make sense for an, an ordinary individual. Okay. So for this particular, um, client, I said, absolutely not. Even though he has the cash on hand to rehab and to put 20% down, I said, no, there's no way. What would make this worthwhile is if we're looking at at least an 8% return on investment, uh, or more. Um, because again, this doesn't factor in, in appreciation or anything like this. Okay. So what would push the return on investment up in this case, I'm glad you asked. If we got this property for a lot less, obviously that's going to push the numbers and make it more favorable. Okay. If we are able to do the rehab for a lot less or under 15,000, that would also significantly push the, um, return on investment up. If you're able to buy a property, maybe with um, less money down, with it not significantly um, affecting your monthly mortgage payment, that could be another opportunity to reduce your total initial investment, which is also going to help the total return on investment, okay? So this is just brief thought process. Wanted to give you an idea of what I look for I want to do another episode, um, where I show you a deal that does make sense. Okay. And I actually want to show that to you like an actual active listing. So, um, anybody that's an investor knows that this is a numbers game. So the amount of properties that I actually have to analyze before I get to one that actually makes sense is, um, kind of a lot, but that's just part of the game, you know? And I, I also share this property with you where, you know, the numbers don't really make sense because this is a reality. And the other reality is you never want to rush into something just to get a deal. Even though this house is like in a great neighborhood, um, that I project a lot of appreciation, you know, it's still not worth it because it doesn't get to the goal for this particular investor, which is cash flow. Just doesn't generate that. And, you know, I know some investors that actually really bank on appreciation over cash flow, meaning the values of the house is going up, you know, and, and like, I, I know investors that really don't care. They care more about the values going up than the, um, actual cash flow. And I just, think that's a little bit misguided, no disrespect to anybody, because as we are all seeing different catastrophic events like coronavirus, you know, like 9-11, like stock market crash, like subprime lending, you know, mortgage crash, all of those things are variables that end up affecting the values that are totally out of our control. But if we can somewhat control the cash flow by making a good buy, it just makes so much more sense. And again, 
goes back to one of the first episodes that I did, which is goal setting. Without a goal, you don't know where you're going. You know what I mean? And you're just wandering aimlessly. You're, you're possibly sinking money into a property that doesn't get you closer to where you want to be. So it's important that you know that. I hope this is helpful. Make sure you take a look at the worksheet. It's free. Go to CourtneyMKing.com slash deal. And that worksheet shows you all of these numbers that I highlighted and how I got from looking at a property to understanding that this is not the right buy. Be sure to rate, review, and also share this podcast. I want to help as many of you guys as possible. Want to get the word out there um, that you can get somebody else to pay off your student loan debt by making smart investments in real estate that consistently uh, appreciates and is a little bit more stable and obviously a lot more tangible than a lot of other investments out there. I hope you guys have a great rest of the day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget the book Millennial versus Machine is on Amazon, paperback, Kindle, and Audible. So make sure you click the link in the show notes if you want to order your copy. It's under 10 bucks, guys. So invest in your future. Get started now. Let's continue to invest in real estate and produce cash flow and work on generational wealth. Have a great rest of the day. Talk to you later. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to continue the conversation, be sure to visit CourtneyMKing.com slash community. And oh, by the way, please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. And so would your peeps who are looking to get out of student loan debt. Until next time.